for 12 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. And we're privileged and happy to have you. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Good morning to you all. It's that time of year. We all love it. We all look forward to it. We all relish it. The fall of Arizona. Checking my little uh, leafometer, Flagstaff leafometer. She has left the far left pegged position on the green. I can testify due to a recent trip to the eastern boundary of Arizona, hiking at 8,000 feet. The Aspen on Monday and Tuesday, you, you could walk into meadows where whole fields of aspens had begun to yellow. And you could walk over the ridge and see whole fields of aspen that hadn't even started yet. So it is at the very, very beginning, at the highest of altitudes, that opportunity for all of us in Arizona to get out and experience the fall. My absolute favorite time of year. Well, we're here at Rosie on the House this morning to talk to you, the Arizona homeowners, about your house, home, castle, or cabin. What can we do in about and around your house that could make you more comfortable, make it less maintenance intensive and give you the opportunity to get on the road and go see more of our great state. Our newsletter this week talks about what we're going to talk about this particular hour and this particular uh, day. And today is the start of October is fire prevention month. And we're going to take a look at that through various different lenses through various different perspectives on what you can do in about and around your house to prevent fire. And one of the things that probably has done more to prevent home fires is the evolution of electrical safety devices in our home. And to talk about that evolution of electrical safety, I've invited our good friend and Rosie certified electrician, Randy Cole, from Fox Valley Electric to join us. Uh, Fox Valley Electric and solar. And solar, that's right. Uh, so, Randy, I appreciate you carving time out of this morning to share your wisdom with the Arizona homeowners. That's no problem. Now, you're almost old enough to have installed electrical with two wires and a knob and tube. I, <laughs> I doubt you're that old, but I'll bet you you've worked on a couple of those old down in the Encanto district. Yes, and Bisbee, too, yes. And Bisbee, yeah, I bet a lot in Bisbee. So d describe for our homeowners basically just what electricity is and why we need two wires to get it going, why we need a third wire to make it safe. Well, the two wires, obviously, are your, your hot and your neutral, your return path. But the ground wire is important because it gives a stability to the system and it gives a return path to the source which enables the circuit breakers to operate effectively. The circuit breakers, obviously, is what is going to clear the fault if there's a problem. So 
we want those to trip in any event of an emergency or accident or short circuit. We used the two-prong receptacles residentially in America right up until, I want to say it was about mid-60s, maybe early 70s. We started regularly using and seeing that third grounded. Is, Is that about right? You know, I'm not certain on that, but it sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. So you could you could buy an older home that still had the two-prong receptacles, and you, you couldn't plug in your grounded vacuum cleaner or your grounded device without taking a pair of wire snippers and clipping off that ground prong on your plug. Extremely dangerous to do. But you can today go into those two-prong homes and actually ground them properly. That's correct. Now, if you're going to ground them properly, they have to be grounded all the way back to the source. So you couldn't just uh, tie onto a pipe or or drive a ground rod right there at the, at the outlet. You need to take the ground wire all the way back to the source. A option to that is to protect it with GFI. Okay. Uh, describe what does a GFI do? A GFI basically measures the difference between the incoming and the outgoing flow of the circuit. So if there's any variation, then it trips that GFI. It's not load protection. It's uh, simply people protection at that point. And I can remember when they were innovated and mandated in the codes. I want to say it has to be not too long after I got started in the trades. It had to be about the early 70s, mid-70s maybe. And people hated them. Because we were yeah. forced, we were forced to put them into every place there was a wet condition, with bathrooms and kitchens, and ladies would start their hair dryers below the GFIs, and you had to constantly be walking out to your electric meter and resetting that stupid GFI. Uh, the early ones were a lot more sensitive than they are now, as far as tripping, nuisance tripping. And then we then we put the trip device and reset device on the receptacle itself, so you didn't have to keep walking outside out to your panel. That helped a lot too. Mm-hmm. So you've yeah. got the GFI that's detecting how much electricity is being fed by the hot, returned by the neutral. Anytime that fluctuates, you have a risk of electric shock. It automatically throws and protects the consumer. So. Right. That's the GFI. Then we, then we, well, well, wait, before we go to an arc fault, let's talk about aluminum wiring, because that was pretty common back in the 60s and 70s as well. The aluminum wiring is, was always an issue because it loosens up and loose connections cause fires. So any time you get a loose connection, you, you start getting the arcing. And that causes heat, which eventually causes a fire in, in a lot of cases. So that's that's a lot of the danger in electrical wiring is loose connections and, and you know, loose cords can do the same thing. If they're if you have a cord that's falling out of the receptacle, that's that's basically another loose connection. Uh, and when it has that, then it, you get tiny little arcing. Sometimes you can hear them like going tick, tick, tick. Sometimes you can't. And if you hear them or, or smell something like that, good chance you're, you're dealing with a loose connection issue. And it seems like to me, we quit. I mean, we were wiring whole houses with aluminum uh, in the right up until the uh, end of sixties, early seventies. And the mm-hmm. the dilemma, as I understand it, is on the one twenty volt, and in the typical receptacle devices, the switches and receptacles, 
the electricity moving through aluminum wire caused the amount of vibration, which actually backed the screws out, creating that yeah. arc that needed it needed to jump an open airspace to continue the loop. That's right, which is which is your arcing, correct? Okay, so if we find ourselves in an older home with all aluminum wiring, what can we do to protect ourselves from that situation? Well, you can you can do the obvious of rewiring the entire house, which is extensive, or you can have someone come in and put uh, an approved connection between the aluminum wiring and copper wiring, and have that copper wiring going to the device itself. Now, y'all, when y'all run larger load circuits, you're you're still using some aluminum wiring, right? On occasion, yes. And and they're they're anchored with special anti-vibration devices, so aluminum's safe as long as it's got the right connection to it. We I correct, we, we, and, and only in larger wires. And larger wires, like if you run into a load, a 240 load to your oven. Potentially, yes, or, or to a sub-panel. A sub-panel. But it's, it's, it's not allowed for branch circuits anymore. Oh, not at all anymore? No. Okay. So we've got the evolution of eliminating aluminum wiring from our house. If your home has aluminum wiring, it can that, that safety hazard can be overcome. Then we've got the GFI, the protecting of the consumer, the, the resident of electrical shock. And then we have the prevention of fires. We, we have the development of the arc fault. And right. just, just describe that. Well, the arc fault is, is basically a, either a receptacle or more commonly a circuit breaker that's got a, a circuit board in there that is designed to watch for and detect parking or loose connections and then trip accordingly. And it'll detect that by monitoring the current? I, I guess so. I'm not exactly sure how they okay. work. <laughs> okay. And where where are they, they where are they required by law right now? Most throughout mostly throughout the house. Uh okay. bedroom circuits are the beginning, but I think it's almost all of the house now is required to have arc fault. All right. Well, Randy, electricity has always been over my head. Um, anyone who has watched me in about and around electrical will know that after just very short observation period of time. So we appreciate you coming in and sharing with the Arizona homeowners how the electrical industry has evolved to make the Arizona home and the American home a much safer place to live. I mean, we could still be having Tesla arguing ac versus dc right that's right (laughs) (laughs) and the whole distribution thereof yes and the whole distribution thereof i mean they they thought tesla was crazy and he wanted to distribute it through direct current they told him that would cause the whole world to burn down and it's uh (laughs) electricity is an extremely intriguing component of our creation that's for sure and still evolving yes it's still evolving Randy Cole of Fox Valley Electric and Solar, Rosie Certified Electrician and Solar Provider for you, the Arizona homeowners. Randy, thanks a million for dropping in on us this morning. No problem. Stay safe. Oh, yeah, stay safe. Absolutely. So in our observation of uh, Fire Prevention Month, uh, we'll be looking at 
making sure you and help you think through all the areas you need to think through to be safe at your house, home, castle, or cabin. If you'd like to visit with us, you can call in at one 767 4348 and join the conversation. We're going on break right now. It's a great time to call. Get your name, your question queued up. We'll get to you right when we get back. one 767 Talking fire safety and fire prevention. Here at Rosie on the House, uh, Fire Prevention Week is observed each year during the week of October 9th in commemoration of the Great Chicago Fire. Boy, that was that was some kind of a blaze. I want to tell you, um, four miles long, one mile ride. One in three Chicago residents in 1871 were impacted. Wow, that's uh, it's, four, a re- it's a reason they call it the Great Chicago Fire. That was horrible. Four miles long. Four miles long, one, one mile, mile wide. wide. Started by a cow. Whoa, baby. Man, <laughs> man, man. And started, okay, elaborate. <laughs> well, the, the story goes, Mrs. O'Leary's cow uh, knocked over a lantern or something like that, and that's what started the fire, and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Because a, a lot of those, the houses were built above the farm. Correct. Yeah. And, all all wood, and mostly wood frame. So Calvin and, Coolidge actually proclaimed Fire Prevention Week in 1925. So most of Arizona, where it's flat, the streets are designed on one-mile increments. So one mile wide, let's just do... Thomas to Indian School. Thomas to Indian School. <laughs> and four miles long, oh. um, you know... That'd be central to 16th Street, wouldn't it? Yeah. Every fourth is a four streets a mile, or is it eight? Thomas to 16th. Whoo! Man. Pretty big swath of, of, of ashes, that's for sure. That'd be a, what do they call it, a five five sound alarm? Uh, I imagine. I, I think that'd be a statewide alarm, something like that broke out. Whoo! Well, we've seen the evolution of electrical components increase in safety. Uh, and, and I was a part of the program. When city of Scottsdale, I think, was the first city in Arizona that considered mandating fire sprinkler systems being installed in all new homes built inside the city. And I can remember attending several uh, city council meetings and building department meetings and home builder association meetings where they were contemplating what would this do to the cost of the new home, the construction of the new home. And one of the negotiating points by the fire department and the city was, look, developers, if you'll build these fire sprinkler systems into your homes, we'll allow you to make the streets a little narrower, possibly giving you another lot or two in your master plan community to offset the expense of these sprinkler systems. I can remember that was one of the negotiating points that they were trying to convince all the builders, look, this isn't going to be a net ad. We're going to, we're going to trade out some things with y'all and it's going to create a much safer environment. The other thing I distinctly remember hearing at several of those meetings is we will never 
we will never revert and ask you in a remodeling situation to add these to any homes. Well, that changed about four years later, <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, the fire sprinkler systems, uh, we've had to, in, in many of our Scottsdale remodels, you, have, you get to a point where they say, well, you're remodeling enough of this home. We'd like the entire house fire sprinkled, and that just has to get added in to the cost of the project. So, But it is another dimension of greatly enhancing the safety of your home. Uh, some of the antagonists to the sprinkler systems talk about the water damage. Well, take it from a guy who has had to rebuild several burned-down homes. Take it from a guy who has had to go in and fix a couple flooded homes. If you're, if you're wanting the worst of all situations, there's nothing worse than trying to recover from a fire. The loss of family mementos, furniture, heirloom pieces of, of history for the family. There's nothing worse. And, and the, the risk of loss of life. There's nothing worse than recovering from a fire. So the naysayers on fire sprinkler systems, uh, I would ask you just step down. Uh, I'd much rather go in and help a family recover from a little water damage from the sprinkler system than from a concrete slab and a heap of ashes. There just isn't any comparison. So fire sprinkler systems are one element of building safety technology and protocol that's been introduced into the code system to help us stay safe. I'll tell you another thing that's helped is banning wood fires in fireplaces. <laughs> that buildup of creosote inside the chimney uh, definitely helps keeping sparks from starting inside the fireplace. And on Google Maps here, if you start at Central and you measure distance to 36th Street would 36. be four miles. So it's like every ninth street is a mile. Man, Central to 32nd, 36th Street, Osborne to Indian School. Gone. The great Chicago fire. It's amazing. They only think they lost 300 people. That's what's amazing. That's pretty incredible. Continuing our conversation this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. You know, we come down here every single Saturday morning. You, if you know where the studio is, you'll always know if we are in studio or on remote. Like last week, we were out at Pella. Parking lot was empty. When we're here doing the broadcast, looks like a Sanderson Ford parking lot outside. <laughs> Whether it's I'm driving my F-150 or my 250, depending on what I've got going on after the broadcast. Rosie's Raptor, Jennifer's Expedition, Gary's Expedition, or Explore. Escape Hybrid. Escape Hybrid, mm -hmm. sorry. That's okay. Yeah, Explore, Escape, Expedition, they've got so many options. Uh, of what, what would you call that? Of, of the uh, e Sedan. The e of, uh, a mid-size, an SUV. Yeah. 
you can find them all at Sanderson Ford. And then if you're uh, the Lincoln, I understand uh, from a family member who's driven a Lincoln, oh, those yeah. are uh, SUV makes Cadillac look like well, they, old school. There's, there's, uh, <laughs> he's he's very comfortable in that. What do they call it? The Lincoln Navigator. The Navigator. Oh and, uh, my! I guess it's got every possible option on it in the world and and uh, even mimi jennifer's mom driving her mkx i mean i love it when she's at the house and we need to run for something that i never take I, I don't i don't even take my raptor if she's there and the keys are in that mkx i take that little mkx that is a fun just neat little car all purchased all our family vehicles are from one dealer the number one award-winning dealer in all of America, and they're located right here in Arizona, in Glendale, on 51st Avenue. But if car buying's on your to-do this weekend, got to be today. Never open on Sunday. Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue in Glendale, open now, and we're open here at Rosie on the House for you, the Arizona homeowner, whatever you want to talk about your home, castle, or cabin, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions can be sent to 411923, or you can email info at rosieonthehouse.com. If you've got uh, need a picture or video to help describe what project you're working on, you can send it there. (laughs) That helps a lot. It really does. Pictures are worth a thousand words. Our nine o'clock hour is our on the house hour where we talk about something Oh, specifically on your home, castle, or cabin. And if you look in your home maintenance calendar that we publish every year, you can see our topic of the month is honeydews. And we're things to do around your home, castle, or cabin, little fix-up stuff before the holidays. And it's fire prevention month, or week, excuse me, um, which is interesting. The timing-wise, I didn't realize it tied into the Great Chicago Fire, but the... Uh, That's what initiated the... The ceremony. The timing's perfect for the holiday season it because is. you're ahead of the candles and the Christmas trees, which is just like, you know, tender, uh, tender, and uh, candles and a lot of extra activity in your home. Perfect time to make sure uh, your fire alarms are working. If you have gas in your home, make sure your carbon monoxide uh, detect- detect- detectors are working, and we. The Great Chicago Fire, it started this all, it's, it's interesting because I never really thought of it this way, but yes, so a lot of, you know, it's a cold climate, so they had barns for their animals and a lot sure. of them, their houses were built on top of that, but um, I don't picture wood when I picture Chicago. No, I've never been there. The forest. I'll grant you that. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you think of those old world, old cities, it's so much of it was masonry. Well, the second time. <laughs> I mean, when you think of some of the great fires in, in world history, uh, it was masonry was then mandated by code requirements or city council saying, okay, if we're going to rebuild this many buildings packed in this tight, let's, let's do it out of masonry. And uh, on the topic of safe home, uh, what did you think of our little tour of Habitat for Humanity's home yesterday? Pretty neat. Uh, pretty I, neat. Pretty I, boy. You're being. I got, you're being stingy there. Well, <laughs> I got mixed feelings. You know. You do. I, wow. I, it's a 3D printed home, 
And the structure of it is a concrete product. And I love masonry. I love concrete. You know, so it's very fascinating to see that technology. And I think it's a good thing. But part of me, and, and, and there was a lot of great architectural things with it and the look and the yeah. style. It's, it's not, it's, is it rammed earth? Is it, you know, what, what am I looking at? It, it was very neat. There was just a little piece inside where like, you know, where, where was that skilled mason to set all these concrete blocks? And instead of it, just Being elaborate machines. Machine. So, <laughs> well, so that part of it, I was kind of like bittersweet. You weren't the only one confused. You know, it's a little behind schedule, COVID and other things. But one of their hiccups has been the building permits. You know, the city codes don't recognize it either. It's like, what are we going to do to make sure this is a sound home? So they've had to do some lots of figuring out. It was really, really intriguing. So Rosie and I were taking the tour, um, and uh, Romy had his video camera. <laughs> he was lost, lost in space, looking at all the intriguing components of it. it was- this is this is a home that you pour the concrete floor, and then you bring in a very large three D printer that prints with concrete goo. <laughs> at and three quarters of an inch at a time. Yes, in layers. And um, every wall of the house is concrete. Now, if you want to talk about a home safe from the threat of fire, this home would be at the very, very top of the list. It's two layers of this concrete on the exterior separated by, I think they said, seven inches, which is then filled with foam. So you've got concrete surfaces on the inside, concrete surfaces on the outside, foam insulation on the inside. And every foot in height, they've got a steel grid system that ties the two together. Ties it all together. Incredible. And in visiting uh, with the president and CEO of Habitat, Mr. Jason Barlow, uh, he almost dropped me to the floor when he said, Rosie, our vision for this, our motivation for this. I mean, they had to bring a piece of equipment from <laughs> Germany on a ship. That it got stuck. Got, it landed <laughs> in Houston, and then it takes three diesel trucks to get the piece of equipment to the building site in Tempe. And Tempe should be acknowledged here. They donated the lots to Habitat for Humanity for this neighborhood to be built in. So hats off to City of Tempe. They bring all this equipment in and the motivation to go through that. It was 16 months of preparation. And Jason summed it up with this. Half the waste, half the cost, half the time. Do you know what that will do for affordable housing? If they can, if they can dial this down. Half the waste. There was no and dumpster on this job site. I didn't think about this until just now. You know, the Register of Contractors has a two-year um, period after you build right. the home that you know it's got to be able to. You know, I don't know the exact standards. Right but, to review. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you tell me? Germany was fifty years. Uh, Germany is lifetime. Lifetime. So lifetime. They're not going to put something into building practice <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's not going to be a lifetime build. That's right. 
Um, and I mean, you look at it, you can tell, yeah, these, th- this concrete is going to be here till a bulldozer takes it down because nothing else. And something else that was really funny, um, the, the lot that it's going on, there's actually four homes. Four, that's right, four. And this one's in the middle. My thought was the poor people that have to live in the other three that aren't this. I know. <laughs> this well, one, idea you're going to be like, one, man, I got gypped. One, one such a, very fortunate family for sure. And it's, it's a total curiosity. They have people driving by all the time. So they've decided they're going to make a little QR code when the family does move in. So they don't have people knocking on the door to see it. And you can just drive by and grab that QR code because it looks very different. They're not going to stucco it. No, They're not going to drywall cool. the interior. So you will see the actual printing process. It looks like ribbed concrete. Hat, hats off to Mark Candelaria, the architect as well. And they did. I really like the entrance on the west side. It's a curved wall, but it's not just curved round. It's like scalloped yeah I, I can't remember what they called it on their website um they had a, a specific i think mark it. threw that in just to challenge him let's see what this printer can really do <laughs> uh-huh. yeah <laughs> it, it really, was just showing off the it, it really was an incredible experience and we were out there friday taking a look at this home uh to help them commemorate what's happening monday october 4th it's world habitat day that's right. They want it, you to shop, donate, or volunteer. There's all kinds of ways you can help. And you can check it out at Habitat C-A-Z for Central Arizona. HabitatCAZ.org. And there's actually a video on there of them 3D printing this house. So you'll get an idea of what size of equipment this requires and the technology uh, involved. It's really pretty incredible. Literally Every, I mean, talk about low maintenance. There's no baseboard. Uh, the vinyl tile is going to be on top of concrete slab. Uh, you've got wood jams going down to the floor to suspend, suspend your doors. Virtually everything that you could water mop or sweep or broom, it's concrete. I mean, it just, this, this house is going to be incredible to live in. The exception of the roof, right? The exception of the roof. All once right. you get it's to once you roof. get to plate height, you wood truss it and deck it and can build a, a conventional. That's in twenty roof. years, though. Yeah, concrete well, roof. Yeah, they'll figure it out. <laughs> so can't well, thank and, Habitat Central Arizona enough for uh, allowing us to tour this this house. And, um, I think the superintendent was saying they're going to be in sheetrock, which are basically just the lids, <laughs> uh, the ceiling, and. and in, the garage for the fireproofing. In, uh, in 30 days. Fire. So they'll be moving people in here pretty soon. Thank you, Habitat Central Arizona, for the tour, for all y'all do. And, and just Jason's conversation about what Habitat has meant to the entire globe as it, re- as it re- pertains to housing over all the years that they've been around. We've been asked for years to support this charity or that charity. And for many, many years, we did. We, we would very, very seldom tell no to anybody. And then we found ourselves about 20 years ago supporting so many different organizations. We opted at that point. You know, we're about housing. Habitat's about housing. Let's make Habitat our focus of uh, all the charitable giving and Habitat, side-by-side with St. Vincent de Paul, 
are the two areas that the Roselle Nassau organization chooses to support 100% wholeheartedly in every way we can. So you're talking about fire prevention and fire safety month. If they get this technology of 3D printing homes in all concrete, you don't even you don't even need a fire sprinkler just, system at that point. <laughs> just to see homes go back to concrete and away from stick and stucco is the biggest win in the whole the whole case in my perspective. Would you think go? Oh. Would it be a quiet house? Oh yeah. You well, you you're gonna have to work on that. You're gonna have to work on that with some textiles and some furnishings and some area rugs. Uh, but vinyl floor concrete walls sheetrock ceilings you're and you're hard surfaced all the way around yeah so kids running down the hall it, it would echo a little bit like that so i was thinking from the outside because it's not yes. far from the airport the, that's true the and it's no. it got a cathedral style installation the inside of the home from the outside you're not going to hear much quiet. of the outside world <laughs> Here at my house, Rosie on the House, today, we're kicking off Fire Prevention Month. Uh, one of the perspectives we're looking at through the lens of fire prevention today is what you can do inside your home and what things the industry can do in the technology for your home to make you safer. We talked about the evolution of the electrical uh, components of your home and the evolution of GFIs in protecting you from electric shock, and the evolution of arc fault interrupters to stop the risk of starting a fire. So other things that we can think about in, about, and around our house is let's make sure the fire smoke detectors are properly installed. And many cities are now mandating, if we do a remodeling job, they, they really don't like the battery-operated smoke detectors. They want the smoke detectors to be fed, like a, a line connected, uh, no batteries needed. And then they like those detectors to be linked to one another. So they're not independent of each other. Now, there are battery radio frequency connected smoke detectors that the cities will allow in certain hardship cases, but they really don't like them. They really do want your smoke detectors to be hardwired uh, with an electrical circuit, and then they want every one of those smoke detectors connected. So if one goes off, every smoke detector in the house goes off. And it used to be that we had to have one out in the hall to the bedrooms, one in the kitchen area, and then a rate of rise temperature detector in the garage, and that's all we needed. Well, now they want one in every bedroom, outside the bedroom, uh, uh, in, the, in the kitchen area, as well as in the garage. So the requirements they're mandating are all being driven by safety issues of fire prevention, and if you are considering a remodel, regardless what city you live in, 
you ought to seriously contemplate upgrading while you've got the electricians there to a hard wire connected smoke detector, CO2 detector system in your home. Be much less maintenance. You have to quit, you know, remembering on the calendar when's the last time you replace those batteries and just let it go. Now, a couple other things that we'd like to leave y'all with this hour in fire prevention is as the head of the family, I'd like to encourage you, uh, whoever the head of the family is, to sit the family down and develop a fire safety plan. If you don't know how to do that, you can go to our website, rosellnouse.com, click on today's blog about using all your senses to detect and prevent fire. At the end of that article, there is a link to developing a fire safety plan for your family. You should all be able to get out of the house safely, and you should all have one place to report to. Make sure the windows operate in the bedrooms. Make sure any cactus gardens you have immediately outside (laughs) of those are trimmed away for access. I know a lot of people will plant aggressive patches of prickly pear outside their bedroom windows for criminal safety, but it, it, there's a flip side to that. Uh, there some, it can make it hard to get out of the bedroom as well. It's the same reason we don't like to put security bars on bedroom windows. Should you ever opt or need to exit that bedroom because of a fire, those bars would make it almost impossible to do so unless they are specially engineered. The fire department hates security bars on bedroom windows and they hate them for a good reason now another dimension of fire safety that we have to bring up now is if you are one of those who have had their sense of smell impacted by covid you really need to make sure your audible smoke and fire detectors and CO2 monitors are working. Because if you can't smell it, uh, chances are it could catch you by bigger, quicker surprise. So all the more reason, if you are now smell handicapped, uh, uh, it's it's just one more reason to go check those batteries or consider converting your home to a hardwired smoke detection CO2 detector system. Okay, when we get back, let's hear from our Arizona homeowners at one 767 4348 